Welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. Um, I'm sorry I haven't been recording for a while because there has been a lot going on. But other than that, I'm still here, I'm still alive, so yeah, <laughs> you get to hear my voice one more time, thank god. Okay, so, um, without any further ado, this episode is going to be talking about coercive control. As I already promised before, like, I was going to talk about it, and I did, and I prepared some content, and it's a pretty interesting uh, side of narcissistic relationships and manipulation in narcissistic relationships in general. So there is the concept of control anyway. Like in a, uh, in a narcissistic relationship, there's a lot going on between the dominant and the narcissist and the victim, the submissive, kind of. I'm not talking about BDSM here, no. <laughs> But just in the relationship is that there is a lot of control going on, especially from the side of the dominant narcissist. And usually it'll be because they have been treated that way. I mean, before in their developmental stages in their childhood, unfortunately they've been through that because of their parents. And growing up, they have been, maybe, you know, maybe they grew up to be either uh, arrogant, uh, self-centered people who would compete regardless of anybody else's um, personal interests or needs, and they want to win everything, or the complete opposite, someone who's codependent, someone who's looking always for the approval of others, they always want to please everybody else, they always want to look for others' uh needs and interests and priorities first and they cry like uh cry babies because they their needs are not met because people are unfair to them which i think most likely it's going to be most of the people who have been through uh, narcissistic abuse but i think mainly parents have a huge role in allowing someone to be either a narcissist a full-on self-centered narcissist or a codependent Um, it's very difficult either way for a child, an innocent child who's like a, you know, clean white paper page that's gonna be splattered and just, you know, messed up with control and dominance, manipulation. And growing up, of course, it starts emotional and maybe even physical, the abuse. But then the abuse begins to be more financial, especially in the years of adolescence and growing up in uh, adulthood period and it goes on unfortunately if they're still dependent and here's a key word here dependence is such a key word when it comes to financial uh situations between either parents and their children because parents and they can also coercively control their children especially in financial ways but also we're going to see other ways where they can actually coercively control their children and in um adulthood if it continues like that it's much worse because they're aging and they're growing and then and now they're seeing their growing child their adult child as a threat maybe so they will use more you know difficult uh ways 
and challenging ways to keep them from chasing their dreams. It can be, it can be as literal as closing all doors, you know, isolating them from everyone. But even emotional and psychological, which is even more terrifying, is the fact that they guilt trip them every time and that they, they that they are achieving something or maybe they will um, compare them to other people who haven't achieved as much as they did and they lose self-confidence and they no longer achieve what I what, what they've hoped for and so they lose self-esteem they don't want to work anymore and they're not achieving as much as they hoped for so yeah you see the the, the context here the scenario how it plays so usually, I think, usually coercive control is more likely related to financial terms and financial control of the situation of the, because I mean, financial independence is freedom. You get to do whatever you want. You get to just be responsible with your money. You take, you take responsibility. You, you budget how you spend it. You know where you, where your money goes at least if you analyze and do calculations and organize everything you can be responsible for your money but if if anything for example if you're guilt tripped over the smallest and biggest things you do like something as small as recently what happened to me is my phone just broke down and I had to go fix it and um I was terrified of spending that amount of money that requires uh, you know, fixing it, you know, because doing anything at home doesn't work, you know, so this is, there has to be professional intervention which is gonna fix my phone, so it's, it, it's fairly expensive, I have to say, but if, you know, if, if I'm guilt-tripped for something as really, really a huge priority for me, and if I'm gonna be guilt-tripped over how much it costs, and it costs like that, and I'm paying money carelessly because fixing my phone is so expensive and I'm just spending it carelessly like that, I mean, that's not rational at all. That doesn't make sense. But it happens. And not just in financial terms, but in, in just any small thing, like, the thing that drives me nuts in narcissistic relationships, and even in my own narcissistic family, is the fact that, um, and like I said in the beginning, and I'm always gonna say, I am no longer afraid of telling what's going on, of talking about what's going on. I'm no longer afraid of calling my own family narcissistic, and I'm not afraid of calling myself a scapegoat. Because it is what it is, and this is what's happening, and I'm tired of hiding and tired of suppressing everything. So, anyway, um, it goes as far as, what was I going to say, like, even in just your courses or whatever type of internship you want to do, or if you're investing your money in something that's going to help you, you know, build up skills in the future get a good job, you know, just anything, they're going to use that as they can, oh yeah, that's the point, anything you do and say and, and just say and do and perform and study and whatever can and will be used against you in the most manipulative, sickening ways possible, 
especially in narcissistic families because they will do this all the freaking time okay so this is just um i don't know if i just made any sense <laughs> saying this but i'm just i was you know trying to give a background sort of information before we go ahead and start with this article here and this is so annoying yeah right there this is so annoying but i'm gonna try to focus because with PTSD, you're easily, you're just easily panicking over the stupidest things and alarmed and distracted and it's just so fucking hard. I don't know. I'm assuming I have PTSD. I don't know. Okay. We'll see about that in therapist. So, uh, right now I'm not capable of being for a, th- for a therapist and going to sessions, but hopefully I will be in the future because I definitely need some therapy and some treatment. Because it's controlling my life. Anyway, sorry. Okay, just... Let's go ahead. So, coercive control. Uh, I got this article entitled 20 Signs of Coercive Control that Reveal Manipulation in a Relationship from LearningMind.com. And I love this website so much because it has a lot of articles uh, pertaining to psychology, self-help, and even bad stuff in relationships that happen like this. Even abuse. And this is one of them. And they're 20. And... They're pretty interesting. Okay, so number one is, oh my god, this one is strong. Monitoring your activities with family and friends. This is especially when it comes to a partner who's so egotistical and self-centered that they will monitor and micromanage literally your activities with your own family and friends. And they will see what you're doing. They'll ask you what's going on. Every five minutes, they will just bother your ass. Because they don't mind. Because they love to control. Number two, constantly checking up on you. And just making you feel like a fucking child. You know, just constantly checking up on you. Number three, and also, before we move to number three, I think this might actually reveal how insecure they are. Because if they're constantly checking up on you, that means they're not trusting you. They're not assuming to themselves that you're safe at least or they're gonna make these false assumptions that you're gonna cheat on them every you know five minutes from now so it's it's a huge red flag that is so annoying it's a huge uh, it's a huge red flags when it comes to insecurity at this point Number three is questioning your behavior. What are you doing? Where are you going? Who are you going with? When are you coming back? Why are you coming back this time? What did you do? Just everything. Just questioning your behavior. And this is not just done by a romantic partner. This is also done by parents who still have their adult children living with them, including me. So anyone who has their parents doing this to them, please just, just be careful. And... Leave as soon as you can, okay? Because if they're going to keep doing this to you the rest of your life, you're going to keep doing that to anyone you meet, and you're going to be a nightmare, so just saying. Number four, setting time limits when you are out with friends. And so it's like, according to their terms, they're going to set some curfew times for you where you're going to have to actually come home and stop hanging out with friends. 
But when it comes to them, there are no rules applicable. Like, it doesn't apply to them. Like, they can come home whenever they want to because, I don't know, assuming that they're male. Usually, males do this to females. And when it comes to men, I mean, I don't really think that there's a huge percentage of women doing this to their own, you know, male partners. But I think usually, I don't know, maybe it's, it's a stereotype. I don't know, but I'm just saying. Males usually are less agreeable than women. And we know how... Uh, you know, difficult <laughs> they can be sometimes. So, um, they set the timing for when they, for when their female partners have to come home. But when the rule is like, is only applied for the female partners, it's not applied for the male partner, which is unfair. Um, number five is isolating you from your family and friends. And this is sort of like the result of it like the result of number four is number five when they set time limits when you are out with friends and then they isolate you from your family and friends um that's sort of like a result but they can also do that in a separate you know uh, series of events they, they can do them in separate days for example of the week but the the way that they will isolate you from your friends and family, and I talked about this in episodes the Narcissist Will Limit You and before that, I think. And they will use either guilt trips of like why you're spending more time with your family and friends than them. You know, why uh why should you even care? You go ahead and spend time with them, I don't care, I don't matter. Uh, etc. Or they might just come up with these lies and these rumors about the, your family and friends, about what they're doing, what's going on behind your back. And they might tell you that they're gossiping about you and that they're telling lies about you, but they're not, obviously. But it's just a way to make you suspicious and therefore hate uh, seeing them anymore. And so you'll isolate yourself, therefore, from visiting your own uh, family and friends, which sucks ass, honestly, and it's so cunning and unfair. Number six, banning you from seeing certain people. And this can also mean in, like, workplace, they will ban you from seeing certain colleagues or family, certain family members, or friends, certain people, just because, okay, they just don't feel like this person is good with you, for example. They judge this person based on their looks and appearance, for example. It's only superficial. But the way they look at it is you also have to look at it as well. The way that they interpret the person, how they talk or speak or walk or whatever, you're going to have to also think about them that way. And therefore, you're, you're banned, from, banned from seeing that person in particular. It's, again, just because. Okay, and you can't even... You can't even just reason with these people. It's just fucking crazy. Uh, number seven. Stopping you from working in certain places. Yeah, and again, it's just because, you know, it's just that they're entitled to your fucking life and your fucking choices and they decide and choose things for you. And they tell you where to work. And which places to avoid and which places to go to because they simply want to have control over you. 
Number eight, controlling how you spend your money. Literally, how every single dime, penny, cent, whatever is spent. They will control every single in and ins and outs of the money from your side and in, and they will do it. They will do it because they want to make sure that you're under their control when they control how you spend your own money. And that's the that's the thing, you know, that's the the problematic thing about this whole thing. Is that it's your money and yet they control how you spend it. You know what I'm saying? They tell you how you spend it. Parents will usually do this to their adult children. And they will come off as people who are giving genuine, caring advice. You know, it's not that I haven't experienced this. I've been experiencing this my whole fucking life. But it's only been recently or recent that I've actually been noticing this going on. I'm treated different than my own siblings because my own siblings are away and they're not like calculating how they're spending, how they're, how they're budgeting, budgeting their own money because they're responsible, quote unquote. But not for me because I'm still living with the parents. So I'm still having to be treated like a child and every single penny cent has to be calculated and has to be told how to spend. See, that's, that's the, Anyway, so, they'll do that. Even a romantic partner, a romantic partner will also do this to their victim. And it's it's always, always coming out as, uh, you know, they're wiser, they're more responsible, they're more financially capable than you, and then you just give in. You just end up giving in. Number nine, controlling how you dress or style your hair. See, this is why I said already the males usually control the females. Cause, or if it's in a, like a LGBT relationship, maybe there's a narcissist who controls their partner as well, maybe. But in general, narcissists will control your every single taste of anything. Just, just because. You know, it's just because. And when you call them out on their shit, and when you're trying to just reason with these people, and you're trying to let them, make them explain why they're doing this, you know, they won't give you any convincing reasons. They won't even, just, there's nothing to even explain. There's just nothing to explain. They're just doing this on purpose because they love to control people as much as they were controlled once in their time so once in their life so as they work already controlled that's what they have been receiving all their life now that's what's now that's what they're gonna give to other people that's what they've been taught so now that's what they're gonna teach so yeah you see number 10 telling you what you should eat they even control your fucking diet number 11 making Oh, and obviously, in eating, they're also going to come off as doctors, as professional nutritionists. (laughs) Of course, I'm not talking about a coach, because a professional coach, they know how, what kind of diets to eat at times, but they 
but they also are empathetic and they know usually i think usually professional coaches of nutrition they will specify certain diets for certain clients needs okay they won't just give them a list of things to eat and it's just because okay there's a difference here um what else mm. number 11 making disparaging comments about your figure they will blame you if you're fat they'll blame you if you're slim they'll blame you if you if you're gaining weight they will mock you comment make jokes offend you subtly if you're losing or gaining any sort of weight they're just doing that for joy number 12 putting you down in public oh yes they will Number 13, repeatedly telling you that you are worthless. And if you cry, or if you show any emotion, or if you react to any of these two, like 12 and 13, you're gonna come out as crazy. And you're gonna be the one who's acting abnormal and embarrassment to them. Number 14, allowing you no privacy. This is part of a, this is a huge part of the enmeshment, by the way. No privacy means no boundary. And once they cross that line and you let them, you're dead. Okay, just... And this is the problem. They don't directly, like, obviously tell you you have no privacy. The thing is, psychologically speaking, it'll be torturous, okay? It'll be silent, quiet... And most importantly, slow the way that they will intervene and invade your privacy. They'll do it very, very gradually in very small steps first. So you'll never know if it's right or wrong, or if if, if I should, if you should allow them, if you shouldn't, if this is right, if this is unreasonable, if this is ethical. You're just confused because you gaslit the whole time. But with time. And the more they get used to living with you or knowing you, they their favors of allowing them to invade your privacy will gradually grow. But of course, this is fucking up your mind because you don't know what's, what's going on because it's so subtle and slow and steady that you don't even know what's going on. So one day, you will wake up and you realize that you have no privacy. Because now, like, okay, it's been... For example, five months since I've been with this guy. And, for example, I have noticed lately that I feel like I have no privacy. Like, he has to know every single thing in my life. But that's it. You know, the, you fell for the trap already. He's been working throughout these all these five months. And trust me, relationships don't even take that long before a privacy is in, in completely invaded. You know, it takes years it's much slower than that even and that's much more mindfucker and that's a bigger mindfuckery than this already but let's just take this example so in the term in the duration of five months and you you feel like you wake up one day and you feel like your privacy is no longer uh even identifiable well you just woke up to the reality that this partner has been doing this to you throughout all these five months and you never knew and you're not to blame. Because you never knew. 
because this was hidden, subtle, and slow. The person who should be blamed is the narcissist themselves, is the dominant, the controller. They have been doing this slowly, making sure you're slowly, subtly, and little by little mindfucked when they want, when they like it. And you don't matter in the process, see? And that's how they allow no privacy for you because they'll do it so slowly, carefully, steadily, and gradually that you won't even know it's there until you wake up one day after, for example, it's been months or several years even where you realize you have no privacy. That's the problem. This is a huge part of coercive control. You have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of the red signs early on so that you'll know. And I've already talked about this in the signs of a toxic relationship and signs of a healthy relationship. You better go check those episodes out just to know how to deal with this stuff. Um, okay, so let's continue. Number 15 is damaging your property. Oh my goodness. It'll get to the point where they will damage your property. I've talked about the example of my own mother literally tore this big ass journal of mine where i write about podcast episodes and plans and future plans and everything and she tore the 15 first kinda i mean 10 15 first pages of the it's not even a small notebook it's a big one i was just wondering like the fuck (laughs) i mean I did allow her to tidy up my room because I needed to declutter a whole lot of stuff, okay? But not to the point where she would read, first of all. I think I might, I, I think she might have read it, okay? But not only read it, but without my permission, but also even tear pages. And because she has the right to? What kind of mother would do that to their own child, for God's sake? And I've also, I watched um, videos on YouTube where people talk about their uh, narcissistic partners who will literally destroy their cars because they said something or did something that went against the interest of the narcissist. It's just crazy. I feel like these people are so angry and bitter and vengeful, vengeful on the inside. They're freaking monsters. Okay, and number 16, using children to report on you. They will use children, whether yours or your nieces or nephews or whatever, they're going to use them as pawns against you to report on you because they feel entitled to reporting on you because they're the victims eventually, right? Number 17, getting angry at the slightest little things this is also another uh way of coercive control that they'll do to you is that they'll get angry at the littlest you know um smallest things and they'll use it they use this anger as a way to make you terrified of discussing any sort of topic with them or conversating with them or maybe even criticizing them or just 
in a way that's gonna like wake them up to something they're gonna be angry and pissed off and they're gonna be entitled to that like extremely entitled and when you're when you're in the middle of that situation and they're anger of course you're not going to be able to talk to them anymore you're going to be terrified because especially if they it's if it's um repeated if it's a pattern of behavior if every time you try to talk about a certain topic uh they get irritated and they start showing signs of anger like they slam doors they They, they hit stuff, they throw stuff violently, they close doors violently, and they, every, they do these stuff that are so passive aggressive but also violent. Um, if it's a pattern, then it's gonna be registered in your mind that, okay, this is automatic. All I'm getting is rejection, and therefore, I might, I might even, I might even forget about it and just not talk to them about this anymore. And that's what it is. That's what's what's been going on with me and mom lately. She's been doing this a lot of the time. And around guests or people who arrive and just, you know, saying hi, these people will transform into the gentlest, nicest people you've ever seen. Be careful not to make them angry because at that moment they are holding their breath so tightly and they don't want to explode Once they go home and their visit is done, you're back again to track it. The cycle repeats itself. And the anger over the littlest things, now it's obvious. But it can't be obvious in front of guests, no. Only behind closed doors, closed doors will you see their true faces. So yeah. Number... 18. You are constantly living in fear of upsetting them. And this is exactly what I just said. They're extremely related to each other. Them getting angry at the slightest, littlest things. And you living in, living in fear because then it's become a pattern of behavior. Your, your fear and terror of their reaction, of their anger, will not will will inhibit you from just confronting them about anything with you know conversating with them about anything at this point and you're constantly living in fear and that's what's also another part of PTSD it's just this fear this fight or flight reaction that you're gonna always get because of their ridiculous anger Um, number 19, you have to do things in a particular way or they or they will get angry. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh my god, this one. Um, so let me just mention a brief example here. We were gonna clean up the uh, covers, bed covers, like the heavy ones, the woolen ones. And my mission was to clean up the, uh, mop the floors and the balconies. And so I did. What I did extra though is I cleaned up the bedrooms because they were, you know, they were dusty and there's dust everywhere and it's kind of dirty. So you know what? I just, I, I just took the initiative of just cleaning the bedrooms, you know, it's just, 
I was, I was, I was also having a lot of fun doing it. Like I wasn't even angry at all. Like I wasn't annoyed because usually I get annoyed from cleaning up, but this time, exceptionally, I I felt so happy and just so positive about it. But then I got the worst comments and the the most condescending words and the just the just anger and just unreasonable unfathomable anger because they ask me to only clean up the balconies and i clean up the bedrooms as extra and they got pissed off just because i cleaned up those those bedrooms they never showed any sign of appreciation they never told me oh wow you must be tired go ahead and relax no it's like work harder you have to work harder you know, why didn't you clean up these these balconies well? This is dirty. This is, you know, fucked up. This corner. Look at this corner here. You forgot this dirt here. You forgot this mess here. And I was like, I just cleaned the whole thing up. And I just only forgot about that corner. Am I going to have to clean it up all over again? Like, seriously. And then we had this huge balcony in our house, which extremely, ti- which is extremely, like, tiring for only one person to clean it up it needs at least two people to clean it up because it's huge so when i complained about that and i said it just it fucking broke my back like i couldn't do it like it's just so hard no it wasn't enough of, of course it wasn't enough it wasn't appreciated it wasn't enough it wasn't good it was dirty it was messed up it's it's it was everything bad because Again, I didn't do uh, the way they told me to. Like, I didn't do it in their way. See, that's the thing. If you're going to do anything the narcissist tells you to do, it's either their way or the fucking highway. So, yeah, <laughs> basically. I just, I don't, I don't know. At the end, I didn't laugh it off because I was so angry and so pissed off on the inside. It just had to explode. I told my best friend about it, but I was really cool about it, like, I was really, really cool, I just, I just, I was just, um, surprised, you know, at their useless, ridiculous anger the whole time, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't as reactive as that, and as angry as I used to be before, that's something I also noticed in myself, like, the whole time when they were pissed off, I was just, I was, I was, trying to reasonably explain to them the situation but it didn't do anything it just didn't work i was surprised and shocked by their reaction that's all and then i just shrugged it off because i didn't want to deal with it anymore whatever it's their reaction it's their responsibility i'm not responsible for their shit i'm not responsible for their problems feelings actions or sayings or whatever you know what Every single one on this planet is responsible for themselves, and that's it, okay? And finally, number 20, your needs are not important and never discussed. Oh yeah, your needs are never, ever, ever important. Okay, the last person you need to care about is yourself. The last person you need to provide needs and wants to is yourself. And the last person you should talk to when it comes to your own needs and priorities and wants and desires and goals and ambitions and dreams and past and problems 
everything, it's you. The last person that's gonna be, oh, sorry, the last person that his or her dreams, ambitions, goals, problems, confrontations, conversations, whatever, that needs to be discussed with is the narcissist. So, yeah. Okay. Um, alright. Without any further ado, these were the 20 signs of coercive control. Okay, so there are, like, financial parts in it, and there are also finan- uh, emotional uh, control ways in it as well. But usually, I think this will cover everything about coercive control. I think also, I have another article that is that focuses on the financial control um, side of the coercive control. So I'll record that episode. And well, so yeah, basically, um, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and I hope you got something out of this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it and I had fun and I freaking loved recording it so much. Please, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button in Google Podcast or wherever you find yourself on a platform listening to this podcast. Don't hesitate to message me if you have any sort of suggestion of any topic you want to talk you want me to talk about. Or if you want to record a conversation with me and let us talk about a topic together, you know, I don't mind. Of course, there has to be a professional etiquette from both sides, from my side and your side. Um, and uh, so... Yeah, uh, if you'd like to see this podcast thriving, successful, and producing more episodes, don't hesitate to support it. Your support and encouragement of this podcast is much, much appreciated. I will provide more exclusive content in the future, and I will make sure that there are, like, specific partnership bonuses and stuff, you know, just, uh, you know, exclusive. (laughs) And uh, I just made a new... Kind of small merch store on ecwid.com. That's selfevolutionregardless.ecwid.com. Like ecwid.com. That's again selfevolutionregardless, all in one world, uh, all in one word. Dot ecwid.com. Take a look at that merch. You know, just have a look. If you like anything, if you like to buy anything, if you like to just go ahead and uh, show this podcast some love. And, yeah, basically, that's it. I will link the merch in the description and the Facebook page and the Instagram page if you're ever interested in following the page and just showing some, showing some love. Sorry. Appreciate it. And I will see you in the next episode.